Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Mark Clare. Mark is the host and one of the founders of the Lions of Liberty podcasting network. Of course, he hosts what is called Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. It's a great podcast that is liberty-centric, so not so much just a libertarian podcast, but a liberty-centric podcast. I'm a big fan of it. I love it. Really appreciate Mark joining me today. If you're a fan of The Kelly Patrick Show, even if this is the first episode you've ever heard, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. We're going to head to the Louisville Combat Academy Roadcaster line where I am joined by Mark Clare, returning guest Mark Clare. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you coming on. We were talking a little bit before we started to record you are, you've been pretty open about this type of stuff, but you're going through some fascinating stuff in your life over the past few years. Um, you're currently in Mexico, correct? I am. That is my present location. <laughs> Where I am, uh, I'm currently here as a, as a visitor, I suppose, for legal reasons. We've been here um, on and off since last September. For many, many reasons, uh, I left my job in Los Angeles and i um, and well, and then we're also dealing with immigration stuff going the other way, going on. Uh, my wife is Mexican. We got her a green card already, but we're waiting on her son, my stepson's immigration. And uh, as soon as that's done, we're planning to head back stateside. And did you say, do, do you know where you're going to head? Uh, which state you plan on moving to? We are very proud and very excited to be future residents of the free state of Florida. Any idea which part of Florida? Yeah, we were probably going to be um, somewhere in the Tampa area. That's where I have a, a decent amount of work uh, contacts, professional contacts that have been sort of panning out. So that's, that seems to be the area that's kind of called to us, and, and we, we, we like it there. So it's, uh, that's where we're orienting. But as always, you know, we're open to where the world takes us. Very cool. So for the Kelly Patrick Show listeners who are not super familiar with who Mark is, my, re, my summary would be Mark is one of the older, more experienced 
voices in the liberty movement uh, have been podcasting for the Lions of Liberty podcasting network for what is it, 10 or more years, right, Mark? Getting pretty close. Uh, I suppose it's about eight years or so. It'll be nine years in October, actually, will be since I, I first picked up that microphone. So we're, we're fast approaching the decade, Mark. But being that I am recently radicalized, only since Corona occurred, <laughs> um, did I start to identify myself as being, I guess, a libertarian or whatever the hell you want to say. Um, I have been learning, and I think it's very fascinating to have followed your journey once again just over the past few mm. years but you are a voice in the world of the liberty movement or libertarian world or whatever you want to call it you have famously hosted many of the top debates um you know dave smith who of course many people expect to be uh possibly the candidate for the libertarian party in 2024 has debated many people on the lion lions of liberty podcasting network and you are always the moderator and over the past, guy, I guess, two or three weeks, you have came out, and I find it very fascinating because I have experienced somewhat similar conversations to my friends and family uh, recently also. I mean, if you're not paying attention over the past few years politically, then I don't know what the hell you know, you're doing uh, if you don't have yeah. at least some kind of an opinion on what the hell's been going on with our country and our world, then you know it's difficult for me to relate to you, but the entire... Uh, idea of supporting the Libertarian Party and or maybe supporting the Republican Party or supporting local candidates or really the which strategy. I mean, you and I probably agree that uh, a, a smaller government is better, more freedom is better, uh, not having a government that's going to force you to, you know, uh, stay in your home if there's a scary pandemic that comes along or or anything like that. No authoritarian regime. I'm sure you and many of our listeners, my listeners now would agree that's a bad thing. But then you get to the point of implementing certain strategies and how do you support what is best for our country and those types of things. You have hosted so many episodes and so many debates within the Libertarian Party that many would assume you are a libertarian and you support the Libertarian uh, uh, Party, or that maybe even specifically the Mises Caucus. But over the past couple weeks, you have came out and you felt an obligation to record an episode where, and I listened to it twice. You kind of jokingly Ooh, twice. Yeah, I did. I did. I was trying to do my homework. You know, I wanted to be prepared for this, Mark, because I'm so intrigued. You jokingly uh, describe yourself as like the watcher, right? Or uh, someone who, yeah, who, yeah, a comic book character who's simply observing what's going on, and you're not going to actually step in and take action until you feel it's absolutely necessary. And for whatever reason, over the past few weeks, you have decided that <laughs> now is the time for you to voice your opinion and to say, although you do not dislike anyone within the Mises Caucus, I don't think, I want to make sure I don't butcher your statement, um, you're not sure that that's necessarily the best way to advance liberty. Did I butcher your sentiment or, or what are your thoughts on my description? Um, no, not too much. Just to, um, to give it a, a full picture, I guess I, I would say, uh, I mean, I guess I'll detail the history a little bit. And I think it, it may have taken some people off guard, although it shouldn't have. I think anybody, anybody following me has seen my shift in the last six to eight months. Uh, it's just been maybe a little less, um, 
less beating you over the head with it, which I probably have beaten people over the head with it lately. Um, but you know, back in, I think 2017, 2018, when the Mises caucus stuff got going, I was certainly excited about it because, well, it was 2016, it was 2017. It was a different world then. And, uh, I really very much, I think with all this stuff, I saw it as, Oh, this is perhaps another Avenue to spread the ideas of Liberty. Uh, obviously, I mean, even then, not just me, but I would interview Libertarian Party candidates back then. Um, uh, we did a bunch of profiles of, of various Libertarian Party candidates. Every single one of those candidates, Kelly, told me the same thing. Well, of course, I'm not going to win. Of course, I'm not going to win. And I didn't care, you know, that, and that's fine. You know, if, if you are aware of what you're doing, if you are aware that it's some sort of, I don't know if it's a vanity project for some people, they want to say they ran for office or they really truly believe, I think many of them do believe this, that the mere process of running for office gives them some, some sort of added credibility or some sort of ability to communicate those ideas through the process of campaigning. Um, so that's kind of how I took it before. And when Michael Heiss and others started to form the Mises Caucus, which is really meant to be, a, I guess, a counterforce against, say, the Bill Well, the Gary Johnson version of Libertarian, where you know, liberty isn't right or left and this and that, which again, back in 2016, 2017 sounded fantastic to me. It's just really hard to see things through the same lens in 2022. And it's hard to be excited about the same process when I think a lot of this, a lot of my perspective comes from changes in my own life. Uh, like you kind of referenced earlier and yeah, like I I'm in my forties now I'm 41 years old. I started getting, becoming a, a, a libertarian Liberty activist, probably in 2007 uh, when Ron Paul came on the national scene, I donated to his campaign. I went door knocking for his campaign. I was extremely enthusiastic and that enthusiasm kind of translated itself eventually into the podcast and through the podcast is kind of more how I got involved with the libertarian party people. Cause a lot of the energy did end up sort of going that way towards the Mises caucus. These are my people. These are my Ron Paul people. These are the people who I generally share similar political ideas with. So of course I was excited about it, especially when other friends of mine in the podcasting world were also getting excited about it. Like Dave Smith, who, like you said, has been on my show many, many times, Tom Woods, uh, at the time, Pete, Pete Quinones, Mance Rader, uh, Jason Stapleton at the time. And now I say at the time for a couple of these, actually I say at the time for all of these, I'm not going to speak for anyone, but let me just say that I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone I just named their enthusiasm for this idea has waned with the exception of, of course, Dave Smith. Um, who I, I love and have tremendous respect for, but I, I don't see, it's hard for me to, to look at this idea of running in a third party essentially as a vanity project or a vanity project for your ideas, for your wonderful philosophy that you're so right about doesn't really seem like a, a, a fruitful way to spend time in 2022, especially, and I think this is the reason that I've been so, I don't know if I want to say over the top, but I've been a lot louder about this recently is that I have in the la in this time seen a lot of people, many of whom I know to be in the Mises caucus, many of whom to be active supporters in the Mises caucus, many of whom are going to Reno to participate in the, the takeover of the libertarian party. I know many of them had to roll up their sleeve and jab up to keep their jobs and to feed their families. And it saddens me to see that it saddens me to see that people weren't able to live their principles they had to surrender their bodily autonomy because they weren't in the right financial and personal situation to weather the storm of a mandate to tell their employer. Can I curse on the show, Kelly? You can say whatever <laughs> the fuck you want. Yes. Uh, great. To tell their employer to fuck themselves if they want to force them to stick something in their arm. 
I am sad that people were not in that position. I'm not mad at them for it. I'm not mad at anybody. I like, like you said, I'm not, there's no, there's no human individual human being in the music caucus that I'm upset with that I'm angry at. This is not my approach whatsoever. Might come across that way. Cause yeah, sometimes I say things on Twitter. They're a little more bombastic or over the top, or I might be fired up and, and do a podcast that I never do. I never do what I did. Kelly release that kind of podcast where I just went off. Not went off like negatively, although there was probably not a lot of negativity in there because I spent a lot of the time responding to Facebook comments where you get a lot of nonsense and I, I responded to a lot of nonsense with a lot of more nonsense. But um, I, And I hesitated to release it, actually. I thought maybe maybe this is too much, but at, at the point... The point is it was me. It was me being real and me airing my, my real thoughts in real time, which is not something I normally do. I, I, air, I normally air other people's thoughts mostly in edited time in, you know, after the fact, this was really just me shooting from the hip, being as real as I possibly can and trying to reach whatever people might be resonating with my message. And my, my basic message can be summed up, summed up thusly. If you can't afford your own trip to Reno, Nevada, for a Libertarian Party convention, you should not be involved in the activities surrounding the Libertarian Party convention in Reno, Nevada. That's that, that. I think that one sentence can pretty much sum up what I'm saying. The Libertarian movement or party can oftentimes be one, in my opinion, where a lot of, such as yourself, you and Brian McWilliams even, you guys have good senses of humor. So sometimes I see things online, people are joking, um, and it, it, it seems like... Um, you know, you're, you're saying like what you said, if you can't afford to go to Reno on your own, you have to do a crowdfunder or whatever type of a uh, go, you know, go fund me or whatever it's called um, to, to get there, then maybe it be, be would be better for you and your family to worry about, you know, trying to own, a, a, I don't know, a piece of property or have some Bitcoin or whatever it is that's going to help you in the future in case shit really hits the fan, which it appears shit is going to or is already hitting the fan. Yeah, in country. I don't think there's an in case. I, I guess that's my point that there's, there's not an in case the shit has hit the fan and we're, and here we are. And a lot of people are acting like there's no shit on this fan. <laughs> They're acting like they can sit next to the same old nice clean fan as before and just breathe that air wafting right through. And they're not smelling the shit. I don't know if this analogy it makes sense, but I, I'm enjoying it. So I'm going to roll with it um, because it's, it's hard for me, like you said earlier, to see how anybody can view anything, including politics, their personal lives, anything through the same lens as four or five years ago. And to me, I think that's the big difference is people that were not changed by the pandemic, the pandemic, that's in quotes, by the way, we're not doing video people that were not changed by the response and the events of the last two years. And if, if you're not seeing it for what it is, well, I'd like to help you, but if you're not seeing it for what it is, then I think it's going to hinder your own, your, your own ability to navigate the world in front of us. So that's kind of what I've shifted more my show more towards talking about. Um, and the shifts will continue because I, I'm really, I think for many years, like you said, I hosted a lot of debates. I wanted to get out the correct philosophy, um, prove that the libertarian ideas are the best and brightest. And don't get me wrong. I agree with libertarian ideas. Like I'm not rejecting libertarianism, whatever that may be. Um, I'm, I'm not rejecting the ethic, but I think if we, if anybody thinks you can copy and paste the, you know, Murray Rothbard's for a new Liberty on top of modern society, especially after the last couple of years, you're batshit crazy. And I, and I can't live in, and I can live in that reality in 2016, 2017, because the consequences, at least to me, didn't feel as high back then. 
but things have changed since then. You know, I have, my life has been affected by lockdowns. My life has been affected by mandates. My life has been affected by all of this stuff. And I think a lot of people have been sheltered from it and in, in various ways. Um, maybe they had some, you know, maybe some people just could work, work remote or they lived in their mom's basement. So it wasn't a big change anyway. Um, but for a lot of people, at least a lot of people like me, we do realize that this is a real thing and it's, and it's something that's, you know, I think a lot of people are, are really riding this idea that the COVID narrative is collapsing. So we're out of the woods and we can go back to normal. And maybe that, that explains the difference in perception here because that's, we are in a new, a new world now. We are in a different world. Man, I mean, there are, I still know many, many people out of jobs because they're mandates. The mandates aren't reversed. And the groundwork has been laid for a furtherance, a furtherance of the sort of a global biomedical tyrannical system that is it's been put into place and it's going to continue to be put into place. So the current COVID narrative may be quote unquote collapsing. I wouldn't call it collapsing. It's obviously being quite, um, quite purposely wound down. And if it's being purposely wound down, then you have to ask yourself what the purpose is. I think part of that purpose is to lull some people back into complacency and who's more complacent about where we are right now then I'm sorry, my good friends in the Mises Caucus. Wow. Okay, so if I were to summarize, I would say the Libertarian Party is the third largest party in the United States in 2020. The candidate was Joe Jorgensen. Joe Jorgensen is backed by people like Nicholas Sarwark, um, I don't know, Andy Craig, whatever that other guy's name is, who debated Dave on your show, um, Archie Flowers, guys like that. So the, Archie, yeah. yeah, the more woke version of the Libertarian Party. And I think you and I would both agree those those guys suck, right? I would agree with that. Okay. <laughs> those guys suck. I, I mean, they're not necessarily the worst people in the world. I mean, they've always been nice to me, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I used to be of this mentality like, oh, well, you, you may as well get the corruption out of the Libertarian Party or you may as well get these better people involved in it. And I thought that for a while. And then I thought, well, why the hell would I want the better people wasting their time on a third party? Actually, wouldn't I want the worst people wasting their time on a third party? Why, what's the, why do I want the corruption out of the Libertarian Party? The only argument, the only argument that exists is because it gives the Libertarian word, the word, a bad name. And I'm sorry, if that's your priority in 2022, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) So when when you started to come out, seemingly you made a post in the Mises Caucus Facebook group um, announcing that you're going to be recording an episode and airing what you felt you needed to get off your chest, which I I think I understand. I mean, you've you've been very vocal over the past couple of years. And up until this point, you didn't feel you were adequately expressing yourself. You were more so hosting or moderating debates and things like that. So you wanted to, you've been thinking about it. You wanted to articulate and let your listeners know how you truly felt about this. So some people would hear that and they'd say, oh, shit, Mark Claire is... Uh, anti-Mises caucus. So he's maybe he, maybe he's like Archie or, or Andy Craig or, or hell, maybe he's like Kokesh. He's turning on, on the Mises caucus, but instead you're not saying that you disagree with them philosophically. You're instead saying you don't know that that's the solution. Is that, is that accurate? I know it's not a solution. <laughs> like, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know how anybody could think it is a solution. 
a solution for unless it, I guess it depends on what, what is this a solution for? Is it a solution for possibly getting Dave Smith some more airtime than he already has on national TV? Cause he already has a lot of airtime on national TV. That's the, the only argument I've seen that even is remotely coherent is that if Dave Smith is the nominee of a of Libertarian Party, he will have more credibility and more interest from the media and be able to spit more hot Libertarian fire to more millions of people. That's the only argument. Okay. And, is, that and a, I, is that a good argument? See, is there anything to that? It's, I, I suppose it's a fine argument for interesting people in the ideas of Libertarianism. That's a fine argument for that. My counter argument would be, that is that like introducing people to the ideas of libertarianism is not what's going to save you is not what's going to protect you from mandates. It's not what's going to protect you from the biomedical state. It's not going to protect you from any of that stuff at all. And if you need more evidence of that, please may I point you to the last two years where the vast majority, the vast majority of your friends, your neighbors, your family were completely compliant with this entire regime, including probably yourself, not yourself, you Kelly, but yourself, whoever is listening to this and, and not feeling great about the things I'm saying, because many of the people that I saw complying are people that I never expected in a million years to comply with this stuff. I thought, well, surely this is where we're going to see people live their principles. Nope. Nope. And I'm not, obviously I'm not talking to everybody. A lot of people did, you know, a lot of people are out of jobs because they stuck their principles and defied mandates, but a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot did not. And look, I get it. Like I'm not judging people if they had to, um, you know, comply with a vaccine mandate to feed their family. I'm not, I'm not angry at you. I'm, I feel bad. I feel sad for you. I feel, uh, you know, I, 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 I see myself in you cause I went almost seven months without my normal income and I'm just glad I was in a position to do that. And that, but that position didn't come by accident either. It came by proficiently saving and proficiently working hard and also expanding my skill set so that I, when I did find myself without that income, I was able to quickly, even though it wasn't a lot, it was a lot more than zero. I, I was quickly able to find new sources of income and expand or sources of income that I had been working on through my skill set and through the expansion of my skills for years. So to me, that, that is a more productive use of time. If you are in a position where, where you had to comply with a mandate, look, maybe some people like Spike Cohen is independently wealthy. Now he's the kind of person that can afford to be going out and sort of like doing a tour and, and spreading the ideas. And that's fine. Like go for it, man. Like I, I, I Dave Smith, same thing. Um, he's got his career set. He has a family. He has a great example to young men. So he can afford to sort of go on a, a world Liberty tour or what have you. But most of you, most people that are upset with me are people that I think they see the truth in it. And that's what hurts a little bit sometimes. Um, I, I kind of wish someone slapped me around earlier and told me to stop wasting so much time on, on some bullshit things that I wasted time on. So, you know, not everybody's going to like it, but I think it's a hard truth that some people need to hear. And if it just shakes a few people out of their stupor, I'm good with that. I don't need to, to save the world here. I don't think that's even possible. I think, but I think people can save themselves if they just take a minute to, to look at their own lives, look at the areas they're lacking. Um, you know, are you, are you a single 25 year old man with a small skill skill set who needs your job? And, and if you lose that job next week, you got to do whatever they say, cause you got to eat. 
Well, then I think and you should be improving your situation and you should not be worrying about third party politics and not be worrying about getting a comedian on a, on a national speaking tour who already has a national speaking tour anyway through his own skill set. Uh, I think that's just not a productive use of your time. And, you know, some people like Ron Paul will never say this to anybody else because he's the nicest damn man in the world. And he'll always say, just do whatever your heart feels and, you know, whatever. And uh, I, I won't disagree with him, but I will be the one to express my opinion a little a little more strongly about Maybe less about what you should do and more about what you shouldn't do. Fair. And that's the beauty of... Because it's just my opinion. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all it is. I agree. I mean, that's the beauty of having an independent podcast such as yourself, right? You don't have to answer to any corporate uh, interests or anything with the Lions of Liberty Podcasting Network. You get to say whatever the fuck you want, right? Indeed. And, and I can yeah. suffer the the benefits or the consequences either way, but the, but they're mine. <laughs> Would you agree the Republican Party is better for liberty than the Democratic Party? I think that's a really bold... I mean, on the surface, yeah. It's just hard to, to talk about either party as a thing. You know, they're, I, I mean, I'm not going to disagree. They're two wings of the same bird at the end of the day. And the, the party structures, the party apparatus themselves is firmly embedded within the state. So, like, I, I, I'm sympathetic... I'm not really sympathetic because it's a dumb summary of, of the arguments, not by you, but from what many others have said, where they say, oh, he just wants you to go vote GOP or something like that. And it, it bothers me because because nobody's saying that. <laughs> like it, 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 because there are a lot of people out there and, and people seem to just want to mix me in with other people. Like I'm other people. I'm not those other people. Like my message isn't really political. I'm kind of more saying maybe don't be involved in politics more than anything else. Or if you are going to be involved in politics, start with your, start with your literal neighborhood, like literally throw a barbecue for your neighborhood, get to know your friends and neighbors. If you don't know them well, how are you going to change the world? How are you going to, how are you going to change your, your city even like you're not? Um, but, I think what bothers me about the, to answer your question, I would say, I mean, from a surface level, like, yeah, you're, you're going to find more, more possibility of connecting on, on Liberty issues for the most part in the, in the Republican side of things. If you're, if you're getting involved in your local politics, that's, that's almost no doubt about that. That might not be true everywhere. There might be areas where you could be like a, you get involved with the Democratic party and maybe you have more like blue dog Democrats who are kind of anti-woke and maybe you can make local headway there. If that's the case, then I'm, I mean, do that if you're going to do politics. My my really my really case is my case is really um, you shouldn't even be sniffing politics. You shouldn't even be thinking about politics uh, unless you're like I said this randomly. Like I don't think it's a bad metric though. If you can lose your job tomorrow and be set for two years, maybe you can think about getting involved in politics. Um, is it, is two years an arbitrary number I made up? Yes, but it, I mean that's just if you, if you're not set like really set then you probably shouldn't even be involved in politics. And if you are going to get involved in politics, my next step would be, please make it effective politics of some kind. And I'm having a hard, hard time understanding anybody's argument for how third party, libertarian party, green party, whatever it may be, how third party politics can be actually effective in, in the political realm. I've yet to see that argument. Um, it, there's a pretend argument called we're going to take down the duopoly and, 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 you know, set the country ablaze. But even the people that believe that don't think they're going to have electoral success. So if, if the, if the people that are supporting the strategy even agree with me for the most part, that they're not going to have political success, then all right, then you agree. It's a vanity project. I assume you did not see or hear any of the Patrick Bet David episodes. He did one with Joe Jorgensen, and then he did one with Larry Sharp, Dave Smith, and Spike Cohen. I assume you did not hear those? 
You assumed correctly. I, I, I'm aware of them. I knew, I know a lot of people were talking about it, especially when uh, Joe was on and I know they did that follow up. It is something I do want to check out, but I haven't had a chance to. Okay. Um, you hinted at this earlier and if at any time, Mark, you want to tell me to fuck myself, that's okay. But <laughs> I you, might. We'll see. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Seriously. You hinted at it earlier that people are trying to group you in with other people. Right, they are. Yeah, I, I don't think you're doing that. You know, and it's just okay it's something if I that am. I'm. I'm kind of yeah. uh, setting myself up to, to do that in a way. What about comparing okay, you to Tho Bishop, Pete Canonas, and like Eric Brakey, and that being the direction you're going? I know, I know, you're not really going into a political direction, but do you like being grouped in with those guys, or is that a, a generalization that you do not like? Well, it depends on what you mean by grouped in. I, I love and respect everybody you just mentioned. So I, I'm not upset if you want to group me in with them on an intellectual level. Um, that's cool. Like, I like those guys. I think they're all doing really interesting things in, in their own uh, respective way. I'm a financial supporter of, of Pete Quinone's show. Um, so I love what he's doing. I do love what Tho doing. Tho is doing. Tho is very influential in my family orienting orienting towards towards Florida and looking at that as an option. Um, not, not completely detached from the fact that I interviewed Tho about a year ago on this very subject. And I, and I do have a good relationship with Eric Brakey. And, um, and I think, I think wh- where the lumping in stuff happens is that it's not just lumping in myself with other people. It's lumping in other people with, with just sort of a, a straw man, this idea of, Oh, they're just saying go vote GOP, just go vote GOP. Right. Yeah. That nobody's saying just go vote GOP any more than Libertarian Party Mises Caucus people are saying, just go vote Libertarian. Actually, that's their whole point, is that you shouldn't just go vote Libertarian just because there's a Libertarian there. That was the whole thing about Nick Sarwark. He said, like, oh yeah, vote for Hitler if he's a Libertarian. Like, I mean, or vote for Dick Cheney if he's a Libertarian. No, that's the Mises Caucus is saying the opposite. They're saying, go Libertarian if you get the right people in. So that's the only thing, like, that's the only thing these other guys are, are saying in their own different ways. Um, like, though, I've never seen though or Eric Brakey or uh, Pete Quinones. I've never seen one of them say, hey, guys, here's what you do. You just go vote GOP. None of them are saying that. None of them are saying that. Um, the closest might be Brakey, who's more involved with uh, Young Amer- Americans for Liberty. I believe he just stepped down because he's going to be running for his state Senate office um, this year. And uh, he's definitely saying, go vote for me. Like he's, and he's say, definitely saying, go vote for these jowl backed candidates, most of whom are GOP. He is saying that. And Tho is saying, and, but I mean, if you look at those like Facebook or those like Twitter feed, by the way, and his political talk, half the time he's going after the GOP in his local area, he's going after them hard and ripping them a new asshole. So he's not saying go vote GOP. What these people are saying overall if I was going to sum it up would be do what's effective, do what's effective in your local community. And if you have a Liberty message for the most part, getting involved in the GOP in some, however that may exist in your local area is probably going to give you more of a chance to be effective than, well, certainly than the libertarian party when you're just saying, Hey, we're over here off the sidelines and we're not actually going to be involved in what you think is important in your community because you're blood soaked monsters and we don't agree with you on these four you know, issues. So we can't even talk to you. That's not going to get you anywhere. Um, again, maybe being involved in the democratic party, depending on your area might be your only chance. I would say if you're in that kind of area, you're probably in a bad place anyway. Uh, you probably don't want to be in a blue city if you're a real Liberty person, because look what happened in blue cities in the last two years. It's no longer just, just the place where the taxes are annoyingly high. It's the place where they turn off your life. Like, I mean, this is, this is big stuff here, kids. And I, I just, I guess my message is, is that, yeah. I mean, but to answer the question, no, I don't mind being lumped in with them. I mind anybody being lumped into a generalization of what they're talking about. 
whether it's by lumping in me, me in with other people or just saying that anybody else is out there just saying go vote GOP. They're not saying go vote GOP any more than the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus is saying go vote Libertarian, which they're not. Another episode I recently listened to from the Lions of Liberty uh, podcast, it says Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare, was on May 1st. It said you interviewed the founder of the GOP Mises Caucus. I forget what his name is. What, what was his name? Andrew. Andrew, what's his last Andrew, name? Andrew, yeah. Uh, I believe I don't know if that's public or not. So oh, not, interesting! That. Because yeah, it is, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he. I do know his last name, but I'm not sure if he uses. His, I don't think he uses his last name publicly. So. Okay, so I was on to something there. I, in I the could description, be wrong. I you could don't be even say Andrew. It doesn't even say Andrew in that description. But I listened to that episode, and I really fucking liked it. I mean, if we had more Rand Pauls, I'm here in Kentucky. If we had more Rand Pauls and Thomas Massey's making up the GOP, that that would. Probably a better thing, I think, right? We can probably agree on that, right? Yeah, and I think that's maybe part of it, too, is that I released that episode with, with Andrew, and not like, like shortly after that, I was I was talking about this thing, but they really are unrelated. Like, if, you, if anybody's listened to my podcast over the years, like, I have people on to talk about their ideas all the time, and I've had far more members of the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus on my show than I have anybody promoting any GOP strategy. So, like, I, I give people time, and I let them talk about their strategy, and that's kind of what I do. Um, but maybe for some people, they see... Oh, Mark Claire just had Andrew of GOP Mises on, and now he's just doing this thing against, against our Mises caucus. So I guess if people are looking from an outside view and just see those two pieces of information, they might say, oh, he just wants to funnel people to the GOP Mises caucus, which I suppose I could see how on the surface some could think that. Fair enough. That's not my goal. Uh, my goal is to promote their, not promote their ideas, but give them a platform to, to explain their ideas. That's always been, but that's always been my goal. That's always been, been my approach to everything is to give people the time to extrapolate on their own ideas. Um, and, not, and sometimes I push back a little, sometimes I don't, but for the most part, I'm there to make my guests look good. Like, you know, this is a host, like you're, you're a host. They're the guests. What do you do in real life when you have a guest over? You don't badger them over the head. You know, you you welcome them into your home. And that's how I view my podcast guests. I'm welcoming them. I'm welcoming them into my home. I'm not there to badger them with a hundred objections. Um, there are formats for that. There's debate formats where I'll let people get both their objections in or what have you, but that's typically not what I do. So maybe people might say, oh, he is really friendly to Andrew and that suddenly he's coming out against the Mises Caucus. Well, guess what? I've been really friendly to Angela McCartigle. I've been really friendly to Angela. I've been really friendly to Josh Smith. I've been really friendly to David Smith. I've been really friendly to Michael Heiss. I'm really friendly to all these people because I like all these people. So, you know, an attack on your strategy is not an attack on your person. So, People just need to get over it. That's all I can say. And I, I don't think many people of power that I know of are really coming out and saying, fuck Mark Claire." I was jokingly comparing you to, Co no, no, to Kokesh really. earlier. <laughs> um, obviously, that was a, a, a leap. But, I mean, I haven't heard anybody. I mean, there's some people in comment sections that I don't recognize their names that are like, oh, what horrible timing and things like that. But, I mean, for me personally, I find your the way you have uh, articulated your message about all this to be actually inspirational because I agree with it in a lot of ways, if that makes sense. I mean, like I said, I uh, if Rand Paul, if more senators in our country were like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey, let's be honest, the Republican Party would just be fucking better. My wife and I got to meet him about a month ago, Rand Paul, and Mitch McConnell was at the same event. And, and I said to my wife, I said, if Mitch McConnell walked up and wanted to take a picture with me, I would, you know, I'd politely say, no, I don't want to. But I was happy to get a, a, a picture taken with, with Rand Paul. So I think there's 100% something to be said 
for what you, and also to that same tune, Phil Bishop has been uh, vocal uh, about criticizing young Americans for Liberty. I think they hired someone who yeah. previously worked on Dan Crenshaw's campaign and, you know, some different things. So it's not like once you go GOP, you're just, you know, team uh, Republican, no matter what. So I think it's a very important distinction that you're articulating yeah. and doing a very good job at it. I do. And not just sucking up to you. Well, I really you. do. I do think that. No, I appreciate that. Cause that's, I mean, that's, it's always bothered me as a debate host and like someone who, who wants to give people their time. It's always bothered me when people misrepresent what other people are saying. It's happened a little bit to me and it's happened a lot to basically anybody who is talking about something other than LP Mises caucus. Um, I have, I've yet to see, I shouldn't say yet, but for the most part, I just don't see reactions to what they're saying and their specific things they're talking about doing in their community. I just see, Oh, this guy's gone GOP as if that's like, it's just such a, uh, it's such a cartoon way to look at things. You know, what is the GOP? It's not one, it's not any one thing any more than the libertarian party is any one thing. Cause I could easily say, Oh, they went libertarian party. They're a bunch of leftists. Cause that's what I've seen out of the libertarian party. So I guess that's what it is. No, that's their whole point is that they're trying to remake the libertarian party. Now, People might say, well, it's crazy to think you can remake the GOP. I agree. No one's talking about remaking the GOP, and that's what drives me nuts. They're trying to apply their strategy of taking over the Libertarian Party to the strategy of other people when nobody's saying take over the GOP. Nobody. I think an important thing to remember is Ron Paul ran in 1988 as a Libertarian, and I know this isn't breaking news. I'm not saying anything that everyone doesn't already know, but when he gained his most traction— and when you were referencing it earlier, 2007, and then, you know, 2011, 2012 came about, Ron Paul was running as a fucking Republican. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, because he was trying to become a congressman for his community. So, of course, he was running as a Republican, and, or he was a congressman for his community as a Republican. Um, and then he wanted to be on a national debate stage. So, of course, he remained a Republican. Um, because, you know, for all that Ron Paul is referenced in the Mises Caucus um, and in, yeah, about how they've inspired him, he's inspired them and everything, they're really not taking a Ron Paulian path at all, <laughs> which, which I, I do find quite funny. So, Mark, all, overall... Rand Paul, the son of Ron Paul, took more of a Ron Paul approach than someone like, I, I guess, Dave Smith or, you know, anyone else. Would you agree with that? Oh, that, that's certainly the case. I mean, where would Rand Paul be? Think about this. Where would Rand Paul be if he ran as a libertarian, as he, if he ran in the libertarian party for Senate? Well, not in the Senate. <laughs> Let's start there. He wouldn't be in the Senate. Now, I guess he could have done the Justin Amash thing and run as a Republican. And then once he got fed up with his own party, because he went a little woke. Sorry, was I opining there a little bit? Um, and then he, then he went to the Libertarian Party, essentially retiring himself from office. Yeah, he could have done that. Um, I don't see why that would be effective either. Um, especially because in, in real politic, I mean, if you leave the party, you're turning your... You're, you're basically saying, oh, you're not my allies anymore. I, I have a new group of allies. Only the problem is if you do that to go to the Libertarian Party, your new group of allies makes up like 1% of the, the political body. So you're actually saying, not only am I not your ally anymore, I'm actually just going somewhere completely, completely ineffective. So obviously, I, I hope anybody in the Mises Caucus would agree it would have been silly for Rand Paul to do that. There are probably a lot of people that wishes he did, though. Actually, I've seen people say, well, maybe we can get Rand Paul over to the Libertarian Party. Is Rand, do you think Rand Paul's an idiot? That's not, I mean, that's not a very nice thing to say about Rand Paul. Why would you think he would do that? Come on. 
The more time that goes by, the better Rand Paul looks. Would you agree with oh, that? Oh, yeah, he's aging like a fine wine. <laughs> right? I mean, why, why, why does he look so great now? What has he done recently that being a member of just the you know 100-person Senate in our country allows him to do that really no one else has been able to do? Do you have any examples? Anything come to mind? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's really been, in many ways, channeling his dad, I think, especially in light of everything with COVID, uh, standing up to Anthony Fauci, uh, just being that, like, fiery voice that we really loved from Ron Paul. Of course, Rand is not the same person. He has a very different style, very very different approach to things, but he does share that same fire uh, that his father shared, and he has been great on this COVID stuff. Uh, He's been fantastic even before that. He was great on uh, the Black Lives Matter stuff and calling out the riot calling them what they are. I mean, he's been, he's been absolutely fantastic just on a, from a messaging standpoint, uh, just on the national stage. He also stopped the 40 billion. Obviously we know it's, it's only going to be temporary, but he stopped the 40 billion from going to war in Ukraine. Uh, he's been an absolute, uh, absolute hero. And he's only been in this position because of the strategy he chose. He would absolutely not be in this position had he chosen the third party strategy. And the same can be said for Thomas Massey. I know I'm focusing on Kentuckians, but it's kind of easy for me to do. The same can be said for Thomas Massey. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, Massey's, Massey's been fantastic. I don't think he's, he's garnered maybe as much of the headlines as Rand Paul, but uh, I, I think whereas Rand Paul is clearly, I think quite clearly, the best senator, not just now. I think he's just the best senator, period, that's ever existed. I, I really haven't heard a good argument for anybody else. Um, and while Massey can't get best congressman ever, because that obviously goes to Ron Paul, he's making a pretty damn good case. And he's, he's clearly the best congressman uh, that, that is in office right now, especially easier to say now without, with Justin Amash out of office, who, even though I knocked him a little bit a minute ago, I think he, he's pretty great in terms of congressman. Uh, but yeah, Massey is just as, as Massey and Rand Paul are the two biggest success stories, I think of the Ron Paul political movement period. Wow. Now I agree with that a hundred percent. And I think it's a very obvious point that, goes understated, if that makes sense. I mean, you listen to libertarian or liberty-centric podcasts, and it's almost not cool to give props to Rand Paul because he's kind of a sellout or, you know, this or that. But I mean, I do think in some ways he deserves more credit than he gets. I know I'm continually harping on that, but I think it's a very fascinating point that the more that that people, I got a friend, Tim Cordova, I did an episode with him yesterday. Um, He's a Republican. He leans to the right, but he really likes a lot of the libertarian messages. And he just started learning about the libertarian party or the liberty movement really about a couple years ago. And he says to me often, Kelly, I like it. I don't think I'll vote for the libertarian party, but I think instead you guys should support people trying to make the, the Republican Party better. And I think that's specifically consistent with, like you said, Tho Bishop and, and even Eric Brakey and, and uh, you know, so many different. Would you say that's Pete Canona's? Is that his strategy, too? I, it's difficult for me to know exactly what he's saying. But is that right for Pete also? Um, I mean, I don't think it's about making the party more libertarian. I think if that happens on like a national level and and there are more national figures that are more libertarian that get in power. Fantastic. Uh, I I think really what Pete and Tho are are saying in, in different maybe ways is to focus local. I mean, that, that is really where it is um, to focus on your local politics 
And so I think Pete might say, I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth. I think he might say, yeah, like get involved in your local GOP because you have a, a good chance, a much better chance of affecting your local politics that way. But I don't think that's the same goal as saying make the Republican party. Cause I mean, a party is a party. It's a vessel. It's a body. It's, 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 it's an always changing thing. I think that's a much different goal than saying make the GOP more libertarian. Now, now a bunch of people do this all over the country and a bunch of people get involved locally with their local GOPs uh, and support the you know, candidates and people like them, then yeah, naturally, you know, from the bottom up, the GOP as a national body would in some way become more libertarian, which of course I think would be a fantastic thing. But I think that's more of a, um, more of a side effect from a bunch of people working locally more so than it is the actual strategy. If that makes sense. That does make sense. When it comes to the lions of Liberty podcast, what episodes have you really enjoyed doing recently? Other than what we've talked about thus far, and I mean, do you have a little bit of a reshaped vision for the future of the podcast, or what what excites you about your podcast going forward? Wow, that's a that's a hell of a question. Um, let's see. I mean, what excites me about the podcast going forward is that I just I do feel a little bit like the gloves are off now, not in a fight way. Like I'm not out there to fight people, but I'm I'm. I'm just, I feel more and more, this might sound crazy having podcasted for like eight years, but I finally this year, maybe this last week, really feel like I'm coming into my own in terms of my own voice. I feel like I have the confidence to say what's on my mind. Whereas before I was trying to be more of a moderator, moderator, a mediator, a, you know, let everybody display their own ideas kind of thing. And that's still my approach when I do interviews in some way. Like I always want to make the guests look good and, and, and let them get their ideas out in the best way possible. But I, I really feel like you know, this part of the direction I'm going is also including my own voice and giving my own thoughts and filtering that through my own life experiences. And I'm a much different person than I was four or five years ago. Four or five years ago, I was a, a single degenerate with no plans to have a family uh, who very much cared about mostly my, my short-term pleasure in life. And part of that short-term pleasure was hanging out with fellow libertarians and going to conventions and having a blast and getting drunk and having such a good time with people that I shared these beliefs with. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. I don't regret hanging out with these people. I still love all these people, but I, I think, I, th I mean, I think it's just the changes in my own life that I have other people that I'm responsible for now. And I think a lot of young libertarians lack that. And I think once you get that, you're going to look at things a lot differently too. So I'm just trying to relate my experiences at the end of the day. That's all I can really do. Are you a fan of, of voting uh, or do you think it's over overplayed to like focus on, like if I asked you, who did you vote for in 2020? Who do you think you'll vote for in 2024? Does that even matter? Or are you kind of like Michael Malice in that, you know, maybe voting is, is not quite as important as we'd think it is. What are your thoughts on, on I guess, democracy? Yeah, I don't think the act of voting itself is, is all that important. Um, I think like participation locally is a lot more important than the actual vote at the end of the day, um, being involved in your community. I think that's a lot more important. Um, having your neighbors know your name and know they can rely on you. I think that's a lot more important than your vote. Sure. Every vote counts. I suppose that maybe depending on what you think about recent elections or all elections. 
but at the end of the day, you know, votes, votes in politics are, are sort of just intertwined with where the culture is going. I don't want to say which one's upstream or downstream. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of different opinions on that, but I, I think they are obviously intermingled with each other. And I think um, what results of that intermingling and what, what results of the shifts you see in both are, are what is going to matter a lot more than any single individual vote cast, which is again, why I, it drives me crazy to hear this. They just want you to vote geo. Thing. It's like, dude, nobody's even talking about voting. Like, like voting is like the last thing I hear out of any of these people's mouths. Even the people you know, that are expressing some sort of strategy within the GOP, no one, like no one's argument is like, just go vote GOP or just go vote this way. Maybe, maybe Eric Brakey's argument is just go vote for me because he is running for office. So in his particular case, uh, that might be fair. And, but even he isn't saying go vote for GOP because he's certainly not saying go vote for my opponents, his primary opponents who he regularly, you know, derides, uh, for all the anti-liberty things they do. So, you know, it's just, it's a very black and white way to look at things. And I guess, I've, I've always tried to be someone who didn't look at things in this black and white way, who tried to see the nuance in things. Um, but when you try to see nuance with people who have committed and invested themselves in a certain strategy and their, their, that strategy doesn't allow for nuance. Um, yeah, they don't, they don't always like it. <laughs> I guess you could say. Since you but are, no, I don't think voting, voting itself is that important. Since you are now a big giant GOP Homer. Yeah, uh, of course. <laughs> obviously. Have you seen that Dinesh D'Souza, Documentary, 2,000 Mules. Man, I don't, I don't get out enough. I know of it. It's just like the Dave Smith, just like that interview that, that you referenced. Like, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. I haven't, um, I'm yeah, sure I it will seen it confirm a lot of things. Yeah, I I'm didn't sure it'll confirm a lot of biases. Yeah. Do, do you have any thoughts on Dinesh D'Souza? You, have you ever read anything from him? Or do you think it's kind of just maybe GOP propaganda, that type thing? Or you don't really have even real deep thoughts about the election being stolen in 2020? Oh, I, I have thoughts about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, do you care what I say? You don't care about censorship or anything like that, right? No, no, it's, say it's whatever. One of the naughty, one what? of the naughty yeah, whatever oh, yeah. the fuck you want to say, say it. I think it's uh, so, so obvious that there was, I mean, it, it's not, not in a conspiracy way. In a, They wrote a Time Magazine article about it, way. <laughs> like, they admitted to it. Uh, they just called it something different. And um, But from an anecdotal point of view, like my wife is from Mexico. Um, in Mexico, it is well known that elections are rigged. Like the politicians themselves reference their own rigged elections in interviews, like years down the road. Um, you know, they're, uh, so it's like, it's like a known thing. Like politicians reference their own fixing of votes publicly because everybody knows and it's not even questioned. And it, it's just like, it's just something they know. So even Mexicans, many of whom don't like Donald Trump because of the very taken out of context uh, comments of his. Um, but they, even they, like my wife and her wife's friends, they all watch the U.S. election results come in and they all say, oh, yeah, he definitely got robbed. Because that's, that's how they do it in Mexico. Uh, the, the vote's going one way. Then they, everyone goes to sleep and they're like, all right, we're going to shut down the machines and uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll tell you how things go in the morning. Then you wake up the next day and it's a totally different result. Yeah, is that evidence? No, it's not evidence. But it is, um, it's a gut instinct type of thing. And uh, most Mexicans I know think that Donald Trump was robbed uh, and, and that the election was stolen from him. So uh, I'm not presenting that as evidence. I'm presenting it as uh, duh. <laughs> like if you combine gut instinct, which I hope some people have a semblance of still uh, with watching what went down and then you can now you can go because there is tons of evidence and tons of people that have been doing research now i haven't looked into specifically what dinesh d'souza is talking about but i have seen a lot of stuff on this enough to make me think yeah obviously something some chicanery happened here come on 
telling me more people voted for Joe Biden than Barack Obama? No, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, I don't believe you. Fair. Selfishly, being that you will probably be living in Florida sometime soon, would you prefer Ron DeSantis stays as the governor of Florida or would you prefer he runs for president? Governor of Florida, please. Uh, <laughs> I don't want him uh, to go anywhere. Um, his, a lot of his policies, actual policies, not just like the Disney stuff or whatever, a lot of his actual policies that are in place that are laws that are not imagination, that are not a part of, you know, what uh, is not uh, Ancampistan. Some of the things you actually put in place uh, are a big part of why we're moving to Florida and why we're looking at Florida. So I would much rather have him as the governor of Florida. I don't want him to run for, maybe if once, I don't know how the term limits are in Florida, maybe he can only do it twice and then sure, why not run for president? But I, I'd, I'd selfishly rather just keep him in Florida. Do you think someone, and I'm bouncing all over the place, someone who's a, a pure libertarian and they believe in this beautiful world of anarchy that'll magically work out with private enterprise everywhere, do you think that is just, of, just as much of, a, of a, a, a dream, an unrealistic dream, as like someone who believes in some socialist utopia where everything will magically work out? Do you think there's any type of parallel between those two? Oh. Um, I mean, look, I I think, I think for a long time, a lot of us were living in a dream, living in a, a a daydream, a fantastical daydream about what Liberty could look like in the world and what, what it could really look like if all of our libertarian policies were just put into place. But our libertarian policies reflect our good ideas about what society should be like. They don't reflect any sort of reality when it comes to actual politics, when it comes to how power is used in politics, uh, when it become, when it comes to how most people think in their day to day lives, most people, when they look at politics, think, how can I improve my situation? How can this help my family? How can this protect my family? That's how they're looking at politics. They're not looking at it through a lens of, Oh, how can I translate some perfect philosophy that I learned into this thing? Cause they, they're not, they're just different things. Waxing philosophical and having the perfectly correct ideas has n- really honestly has nothing to do with the real politics of your community and the real needs of your neighbors uh, and the people around you. They're just totally separate things. So it is an absolute fantasy in the sense that you're, you're never going to have, you might have a quote unquote more libertarian society, but I, even then you're going to get more liberty by changing your own life than you'll ever get by changing your, even your city council, let alone national politics or some libertarian party. The, the real liberty is going to come from changing yourself. So that's, that's the daydream I want to snap people out of this idea. You can just fantasize about liberty. Well, guess what? If you can fantasize all day long and then tomorrow someone's going to come along and take your job and, 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 you know, or they're going to threaten to stab you and your whole family. I mean, with, with, with something, who knows what. These are, these are the realities we live in. So yeah, a daydream, it, it's certainly a, a fantastical daydream to think that we can just, um, we can philosophize ourselves to more liberty. No, that doesn't work. You mentioned daydream a few times. I guess we should give a shout out to Brian McWilliams, rebranded. Yeah, that was subtle marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his, the rebranded uh, name of his podcast is now Mean Age Daydream, which is a part of the Lions of Liberty podcasting network, correct? Correct. Yeah. And Brian's actually going to be hosting Robbie the Hot Fire Bernstein. His uh, summer ports tour is going to be at his house in Los Angeles. Uh, I don't have a link for where you can get tickets to that, but there is, uh, you can find that somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Brian has a link and, and I know Robbie and Dave have been promoting that as well. But yeah, they're going to do a live uh, stand up and live podcast at his place. So that's pretty awesome. The one, the one time I've been jealous of not being in Los Angeles in the last seven months. <laughs> um, 
Uh, speaking of Brian McWilliams, I think he's still Team Mises Caucus. Has that really damaged the relationship between you two? Eh, no, politics is politics. You know, if people, if, if I can't criticize what my friends are doing, then you know, then what's the point of even being friends? I mean, Brian and I have known each other for you know twenty plus years now. Had more than our fair share of. Uh, I don't want to say fisticuffs, but uh, maybe verbal fisticuffs, I guess you could say. More of our fair share of late night arguments and conversations, and uh, we'll continue to do so. So I, I have no concerns on that end. Yeah, I, I was I was kind of joking, but I do appreciate, uh, before we wrap things up, I appreciate that you and Brian are, you know, still the two main guys from the Lions of Liberty podcasting network, and you're both Liberty-centric, but you kind of have different thoughts on what strategy now to implement. So I think that's actually a testament. Could you describe to the listeners, what is the Lions of Liberty podcasting network? Sure, and I don't want to discount the valiant podcasting efforts of uh, John Odermatt, who has the show Finding Freedom, which runs every Thursday. He's been doing some great work, especially lately, on the Jerry Sandusky quote-unquote scandal, I guess you could say. Uh, he's done some shows with John Ziegler, who's really done tremendous work looking at that. And um, if you want to understand COVID better and the, the mass hysteria of COVID, learn about the Jerry Sandusky scandal. That might not seem like there's a connection, but if you learn about the Jerry Sandusky scandal, you will see why that is because it is incredible how people's perceptions can be warped by just a few little snippets from things they see in the media that do not reflect reality whatsoever. And that really is what happened with COVID and it's absolutely what happened with the Jerry Sandusky scandal. There was a time I wouldn't be as confident to say that as I am now, but it doesn't take much research to actually look at that and, and realize um, what went on there. And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But John has done tremendous work doing podcasts about that. He actually interviewed a guy who was a fake Sandusky accuser. He basically went undercover pretending to be a victim of Jerry Sandusky uh, to sort of expose how easy it was to convince people that you were one of those things, um, which obviously, whatever. Um, I don't want to, I, w- I don't want to dive in too much more, but I just want to highlight his work and uh, all the great work he's been doing on finding freedom. But yeah, I mean, the Lions Liberty Network is really just the, the collection of our podcast. And like you said, we have different viewpoints, uh, different approaches, but uh, the Lions is the Nittany Lion. We all went to Penn State. That's where we met and became friends. So that's kind of um, our overarching banner. Uh, but you can find us all on the Lions of Liberty Network. You can subscribe to that wherever you find podcasts. You can also subscribe individually to our shows. Mine is just Lions of Liberty with Mark Clare. As you mentioned, Mean Age Daydream and uh, Finding Freedom with John Odermatt uh, being the last of those. But you can uh, find them all at lionsliberty.com. You can support us all at patreon.com slash lionsliberty. And yeah, I think that's about it. I love it. Well, Mark Clare, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. I look forward to hopefully speaking with you sometime again soon. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Kelly. Had a blast. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we'll have another episode out soon. 